And now, back to Answers for Elders as we honor our military veterans. Carriage is the proud sponsor of our veteran segment, hosted by former Seattle Seahawk, Dennis Boyd. Uh, we are here today at Patriots Landing in DuPont, Washington, talking to John Chris, a 22 veteran of the U.S. Navy and uh, getting a chance to find out what it was like to be a submariner. I started uh, uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, Squadron 6 there, my first submarine. And uh, I, I tell you, from a boy out of the hills of California, <laughs> I really didn't know get got myself into. It yeah. was... It was different, and uh, but I don't think after my 22 years I would give up anything. I don't know that I would go that same route again. One of the desires I had was to be a chief. I could pass the test, but I couldn't get rated. Yeah, and that did, that just burned my bottom side. But uh, I did everything that uh, they took my chief away from me, and they. They put him out on the, I was on a fast attack nuke at this time, put him out on the BCP, ballast control panel, where you dive and surface these things. And uh, if I talked to, talked to him once every two weeks, we were lucky. So I had the radio gang, and uh, and we did well. Mm-hmm. We did good. So. Tell me a little bit about training for to be a submariner. Uh, and the reason I'm asking is that uh, I had mentioned before that my dad was 20 years Navy, and we were in Pearl. He was stationed in Pearl Harbor. Been there. It told about the diving tower. Been there. And the 100-foot ascent that you have to make as a submariner. There's one there. There's one in New London. Mm-hmm. They don't use them anymore. Okay. They're, they're gone. I was, in, uh, I was being trained as a radio operator mm-hmm. in San Diego. And one day at noon, this chief walks in. Uh, we didn't know him from Adam. And uh, he got the whole class together and he said, uh, how many of you fellows want to make a, another $50 more a month? Got every hand went up. Okay. And they left. And we didn't hear anything about it anymore about this chief. And then one day, I went to school, and they said, uh, you got to report over to the medical building. I said, what the heck for? I'm not sick. Yeah, well, you're going out to a tender in San Diego Bay, and you're going to have a a pressure test. What the heck is a pressure test? (laughs) I had just come out of the hills of California, Mm -hmm. and uh, my biggest thrills in life was hunting and fishing. That, that's all I like to do. So we went out there and uh, they put us in this chamber and uh, down we went and I was looking at this young kid right across on another seat, directly across from me, from Colorado. And uh, in that stage of our training, you didn't say boo to anybody. You just sat there. And all of a sudden... I saw blood starting to squirt out of both of his ears. And I said, oh, this can't be good. And uh, so the instructor was at the other end of the tank, this lock we were in, and uh, nobody else moved. So I I got up and I grabbed the instructor's arm. 
and I thought he was going to punch me out. And I said, everything stopped. We went back to sea level, or atmospherics level, and they took him out. We never saw him again. But I got through that, and uh, and then we had some psychiatrist tests, and I, I never have to this day understood the meaning of it. But out of 350 of us in San Diego that had volunteered for the submarine service, two of us left San Diego to go to New London. Mm-hmm. 300, 348 of them all, they stop your calls for anything. If a bad tooth, one ear mm-hmm. was longer than the other, it didn't matter what you were, you were not going. And uh, so I went, went to New London, got through that, and went to Norfolk, Virginia for my first submarine, the Torsk uh, 423. She is now a school boat in Baltimore, Maryland. So mm. they, they saved her, did make razor blades out of her. And after that, I finally got back to the West Coast, and uh, that's where I belong, was on the West Coast. East Coast people, if you've been back there, they talk a little funny. They dress a little different. I mean, I, I'm not saying that they're at the edge of left, but there are folks back there that are stranger than the ones on the West Coast. So I was glad to get back to the West Coast. I remember, uh, and, and correct me you know, for the Submariners, but uh, on board ship, uh, Dad would be out on a six-month Tour, meaning basically he mm-hmm. was out out to sea for six months, yep. back at dock at, at port for six months. Was it similar then for submariners? Uh, no, no. Uh, I rode three diesel boats before I ended up on a fast attack nuke. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what slows the uh, the diesel boats down is the amount of fuel they can take. Mm-hmm. Uh, Submerge, you, you run on battery power, and the amount of, of foods you can take. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were good uh, 45, 50, 55 days, and that's really pushing it mm-hmm. on a diesel boat. Uh, the nukes, the only thing that keeps you in port would be your, your inability to carry that much food mm-hmm. to sustain you. Everything else is going to run forever. I mean... It doesn't stop out there. Goes, goes, goes. <laughs> so yeah. That's why I say seven and a half years between gas stations. So and, and people will look at me when I say that. And they say, what do you mean gas stations? Do they take gas? Well, no. <laughs> no, not really. But, uh, yeah, I I really like, after I got used to it, I uh, I really enjoyed nuclear power. It was good. It was good. We drilled seven days a week. I've I've never drilled so much. It, it's worse than the Seahawks preseasons. <laughs> you go 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 go. We went seven days at, at every week, and if you messed up, they'd stop it and you'd critique it and start all over again. Mm. So. <laughs> But how much of that, I mean, I mean, survival at some point in the event of an emergency is, you know, requires people to act without, almost without thinking. Uh, yes. 
Well, one of the things uh, in the submarine service is that uh, most of the nuclear boats, or I would say all of them, operate in water that's non-recoverable. I mean, you go down and, and the thing is going to explode, mm-hmm. implode. And uh, so there's not a lot of thought about uh, survivability. You know, if, if something dastardly happens to that thing, that you and all your shipmates are going to go down together. And that, that's it. And you don't think about that very much. It, it's probably a good thing. And uh, I know I didn't. I talked to a lot of the fellows out there. Uh, it, it, it's just something that's maybe in the back of your mind, but you don't think about it. I lost uh, a friend on the uh, the one that, that the, the U.S. lost right off of uh, the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a young man. He wanted off uh, the submarine he was on, and he was an electrician, and he got his wish. He went. He was a young fireman, and uh, we read about it in, in the paper, you know. And so things happen. And, and people forget you're doing dangerous things. Oh. And you make it look so routine. It it becomes routine up to a point, and then you better get serious with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the people, I think, that besides the skipper and the XO, uh, the people that really take care of that submarine are the sonar people. Mm-hmm. They're the ones, there's your eyes and windows. Uh if they screw up, they've got 120 people behind them. They just screwed up for, mm-hmm. and uh, but other than that, it it uh, the oceans are deep. Mm-hmm. There are lots of space to travel out there, and uh, and it was pretty much fun. Pretty pretty much my whole career. Oh, there were ups and downs. That like anything. Uh, if you get demoted to the second squad, you say, why, why me? What happened? <laughs> that happens in football too. So, <laughs> that's what I was referring to. Yes. Yeah. But the uh, question for you, what was the average age of the men on the on board ship? Uh, it it went from, uh, the average age was probably, when I, on my diesel boats, was probably... Somewhere around mid twenties. Okay. Youngest might have been was probably seventeen, and uh, uh, you had some old timers that came out of World War Two. They were finishing up their careers, and uh, oh, they'd be up in their late thirties. Really 40s. old, huh? All oh, theirs. <laughs> What keeps you guys up? So, you know, they don't like to talk to the young guys. It's, uh, but that was life. But that's what always sometimes the perspective of you've got a 20-something-year-old young man or woman now operating a billion dollars worth of equipment. The Navy has been pretty good. I mean, it's better than pretty good about their uh, screening of, of people coming in, mm-hmm. officer and enlisted. 
John, again, thank you for your time, your 22 years of service, and the few minutes we've had a chance to talk today. We appreciate them both. This has been a special Honoring Veterans presentation of Answers for Elders, brought to you by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E dot com. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.